Hey, marketing guru Shelly Palmer agrees with us, Keith. We love the CNN HBO special on late night TV. We'll talk about that. And to keep with the TV focus for this episode of a media insultant, the top 30 TV groups are revealed. So good morning. We're back with another edition of Media Insultant, our opinions and comments. I'm Jackson Weaver in Seattle and in sunny Southern California. It's Keith Samuels. Keith, good morning. We are morning, Jackson. We are sponsored today by... Oh, yeah, that's right. We're not sponsored. We are, however, without commercial interruption. So we welcome right. you to Tuesday, January 11th, and the current episode of Media Insultant. You know, my good friend Bob Hogan, who was smart enough to not be in the business any longer, <laughs> uh, recommended the other day a six-part stream series that CNN had produced but was on HBO Max. And it was called The Story of Late Night TV. And it was really a fascinating walk through the stories behind late night TV. Hmm. Uh, it just seems unbelievable to us today, Keith. But there are those of us who do remember when primetime television stopped at 11 p.m. and that was it. The networks went silent. But somebody came up with a great idea and said, hey, maybe they'd watch TV after 11 p.m. I mean, how smart were these network guys? And so what followed was Steve Allen, Jack Parr, Johnny Carson, Jay Leno, and a proliferation of hosts, you know, from Letterman and Conan O'Brien and Jimmy Kimmel, yada, 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 yada. And I, I remember when I was selling TV for KUTV in Salt Lake City, they were the NBC affiliate at the time. Uh, we ran The Tonight Show with Carson, obviously, after late news. And we got between 250 and 300 bucks a spot, which is about $700 a spot by today's standards. Mm -hmm. Inventory was always really tight. But it pulled an average of an 8 to a 12 rating. Wow. A late show today gets between two-tenths and three-tenths of a rating. Ooh. So Ooh. it just has changed so much. But a lot of it, Keith, is social media. You know, that distribution has changed so dramatically. You can watch clips of any of the shows basically on dozens of different locations, dozens of different mm -hmm. platforms like YouTube and Vimeo, etc. So I'm curious, do you have a favorite late night TV show? No. In <laughs> fact, I haven't watched a late night TV show in, I don't know, four or five years. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, and, uh, you know, they're, they're all, you know, most of them are filmed or half of them are filmed, you know, in our West coast time zone at like five thirty at night. Um, so I, I probably should just go down and stand on Hollywood Boulevard and go in and see uh, who does the show here. Is it Kimmel or Fallon? I forget who does the show here, but or maybe both. And you know, I could probably see it and be home in time for dinner. Um, but uh, uh, no, you know, it's it's, uh, and I think it's because a I, I can't stay up that late anymore. It's just <laughs> you know, I'm just okay, boomer. You know, time to go to bed. Uh, but the other part of it is you're right. If there's something funny, if there's something, did you see that bit last night? Did you see this? They repurpose clips from these shows, including Saturday Night Live, which I used to watch faithfully up into the uh, 80s. Um, you know, why stay up? And why have to sit through the whole show when, when the best of or the clips that you want to see are, are up on YouTube or wherever? 
Yeah, it's really it's really changed the uh, the dynamic of late night TV. But for those of us, uh, and you don't have to be a boomer to enjoy it, the late night TV story on HBO Plus. I think uh, okay. we both would highly recommend it. And I, I'll give you a chance to watch it next time we can talk about it. But okay, here, here's here's another story that I, I you know I was watching. We were trying to get into being the Ricardos. Okay. Okay. And so, um, and we weren't, we weren't, we didn't get totally into it. I mean, it was okay, but you know, it, it didn't didn't keep us going through every the rest of the episodes. But um, that led me to watch an appearance by Ricky Ricardo uh, on the Tonight Show. So I go to YouTube and I and I and I watch this clip, and and it's moderately funny. And he had, you know, Ricky had written a book. So he's on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He comes out, they introduce him, and he's shaking hands with Johnny and the guests that are already on the couch that have already been on the show that have moved over and made room for Ricky to come on and do his book promo. Right, right. And he, and he shakes hands with Bob Hope, uh, Johnny Mathis, and uh, who was the other, uh, and another great guest, and I'm going, my God, that would have been a show worth staying up for to watch. You know, imagine having four great guests like that in one, well, that back in the day when it was 90 minutes, that was worth watching, plus the opening monologue. Now, you, you, you know, you, you, get, you get these B-list guests, maybe, and, uh, and they're not funny, and no one has anything controversial or interesting or cute to say. Uh, so, you know what, you know, it's... it's there's way too many of them. They have way too many average guests. And for me, it's way too late. So. Well, and we want you to keep up with your sleep, Keith. It's really important <laughs> that you be well-rested for media and That's right, because i got to beat the COVID. You know, <laughs> got to keep the COVID away. That's right. Okay, the top 30 TV groups are coming up. But first, we all know that ratings, as we just talked about, for broadcast TV are in a pretty steep decline. But TV is not resting on its laurels. Oh, no, these guys have been aggressively promoting next-gen TV. And, frankly, we've ragged on this being a largely useless technology that's costing the business billions of dollars in capital <laughs> investment. And I keep saying, and I have said to people all throughout the business over the last three or four years, what are we missing? I've got to be missing something for people to put this money into it. So marketing tech and ad guru, a guy by the name of Shelley Palmer, who's a well-respected expert in the, in the marketing and tech crossover mm -hmm. space, in an interview with TV News Check, Michael Depps, likened next-gen TV to walking into the middle of a shootout at the OK Corral. You have not given much credence to next-gen TV in the past as it made its first couple of appearances at CES. Have you at all revised your dim view of its prospects? Is it gaining any momentum? In, in my world, no. I don't see it as it, that is a technology whose time came and went long before it is still really not deployed. At the end of the day, the data story that TV wants to tell you um, the TV industry never understood itself, so it really didn't understand pure play digital. And the data elite are so far ahead that TV can't possibly catch up. And now the data elite are actually under siege too, because Web3 and all decentralized technologies uh, from DAOs to metaverse uh, attempts are all going to have different data governance and different data ownership. If you think about television, if I can just yell at my TV colleagues for a minute, the problem has always been 
we were lucky enough to have really good segmentation in television, audience segmentation and brand safety. It's the thing television did best. TV is brand safe because it is by definition. And TV is uh, clustered and classified by audience because if you've got a cooking show on food TV, or if you've got uh, a football game on ESPN, the demographics are very, very well understood and easily understandable. Why advertisers chose not to make enough different creative to take advantage of those different audiences, why I'm seeing a spot that was made to run on ESPN run on Bravo or on on cooking channel or on the food uh, on food TV makes no sense to me. And since the actual television business never ever took advantage of the fact that it was clustered and classified properly and that it had really excellent brand safety and audience segmentation combined, now they've just lost their audience. They've over they've made the experience so terrible in broadcast TV that you have to really have nothing else to do but to sit through 10 minutes of commercials at a time. And it's horrifying. So I guess and no so, reason to think that, uh, that, will, that would carry over to addressability, that they would actually take advantage of addressable. It, ha- it, it may carry over, but the audience numbers are so minimal that you can't deal, like TV's a reach medium. And to try to make TV something it isn't is what everybody, oh, wow, we have to compete with digital on their own. Uh, we're going to get into the middle of the OK Corral and we're going to say draw. We're, it's high noon and we're going to face off with Facebook or Google. Come on. That was never going to happen. TV does what, what Pure Play Digital can't. TV uses sight, sound, and motion to drive an emotional recency and availability psychology. If you read your Danny Kahneman, if you read your Amos Tversky, if you read econometrics, if you understand the science of behavioral economics, you know that as a consumer, recency and availability are driving forces at point of sale, and TV is the best at that in the world. And not to have played that and played that hard and been really, really serious about it, you know, look, maybe the incentives and the outcomes aren't aligned because clearly the TV industry decided it needed to go after Facebook and Google directly. And it's just, it's folly. It can't be done. You can't gather that kind of data the, the way the television industry is trying to gather it. And it didn't need it in order to do effective advertising to drive velocity at retail. And the, everybody was going crazy with attribution. It's like, we have to have attribution the same way digital does. There's so much viewability and fraud now. Even in the, And when you look at the over-the-top television business, it doesn't understand digital well enough to have gotten around that. And so viewability and fraud are actually a bigger problem with online television than it, than it is with pure play digital. And that's saying something. So realistically, the TV industry got came late to the party aimed at the wrong thing and missed huge so yeah i'm not i'm not high on any of the atsc 3.0 stuff i'm not high on any of advanced television i'm really sorry the tv industry didn't really hunker down and understand the data story when they were supposed to 15 years ago and they've gone farther and farther away from understanding the data story and now they have a viewability and fraud problem that was plaguing pure play digital a decade ago and they're just learning about it now it's pretty horrifying Keith, I have to admit, some of what Shelley Palmer is talking about goes over my head. And Web 3.0 is still a bit hazy in my mind and some of the NFT stuff that's coming along. But Keith, is he right? Should TV have stuck to its core, self-defining job as a reach medium and ignored you all know, this I new found, data? I found, yes, I found Shelley just speaking to me. I'm going, this is so right on the money. Is that, you know, imploring 
And he did, and he's still trying to get TV to be TV, to be the big reach medium, to be you know, that immediate impact that you can have with your ad marketing and your marketing messages. TV is just unbeatable, and yet they want to be everything but TV. They want to do all this next-gen BS. And so for him to, to really... It's not so much that he, well, I love it, the fact that he just crushes next gen and, and how, how, you know, it's a, a huge mistake for television and they're not going to be able to win the data, the, the data race. Um, but, to, but he does say this is what TV is and should be doing and they just won't listen to him. And so- All right, let's take a look at the top 30 TV station groups. Uh, the TV uh, trade rag, TV News Check also did a list of the top 30. Uh, nothing really surprising in this, Keith, except a couple of observations. Retrans from cable networks amounts to about half their billing. And that, what's so distorted about that is we talk about how much business television does. And the truth is, if you look at the actual ad revenue, it probably is about the same as radio or a little less. Um, and it's interesting. Um, uh, the, the, the thing about the deal with the, this also is that so much of that retrans revenue to these groups goes back to the networks. So they end up swapping dollars. I think about yeah. 50%, according to Kagan, about 50% of the retrans fees went back to the networks last year. Stations get 2 to 250 per subscription per month or per sub per month from the cable right. systems. And you know what's really uh, striking to me is the, the example of how the big get bigger and everybody else is, in, is, is just going away. Next Star is the largest group, 196 stations, 62% market coverage, $3.5 billion in revenue. And then coming in at number 30, now number 30 should still be a reasonable size company, Estrella, just $39 million in revenue. So we Australia. Go, it's not Australia. It's Australia. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, yes. Yeah. Okay. Australia. One the, it's one of the reasons I love having you on the show is that <laughs> you know how to talk the English good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what can you do? Um, yeah. But Australia, yes, Australia has, uh, what is it again you said? Just uh, 39, 39 million in revenue. So we go from. Yeah, 39 million in revenue. Million and, yeah. And so the, you have a TV group that can't, that can't outsell. Uh, Kiss FM in LA or, or WTOP in Washington, you know, just single radio stations. This group can't outsell them um, in terms of revenue. But, you know, this whole retrans thing, I think people, you know, miss in terms of how they look at television and what the value is in television and, and television stations. And that, that uh, as this, and, you know, the reports out today that I 40, 48% of television viewing now is done by people who don't watch on cable or over the air. That they're watching through some sort of digital stream or, you know, online in some fashion, not through a dish or through your cable. Um, so, you know, it's it's the only even retrans is threatened now by that because, as you mentioned, cable companies pay local television stations a, a retransmission fee based, you know, per, per subscriber to that cable company. The less subscribers to the cable company the less retrans revenue that that television station is going to get. And we know there are television stations that simply exist on retrans revenue. And, and you're right. And if you're a bigger television station, a successful station, you know, you're an NBC affiliate or an O&O even in like markets like L.A. at KNBC and KCBS-TV and KBC-TV, uh, 
they're losing, if, as a local guy, all that retrans or most of it's going back to the network. So, because, you know, the networks are going, hey, we paid for that programming. You know, we invest all that money in, you know, it's primetime television shows that no one's watching anymore. So, you know, we're going to suck that back from you as a part of your affiliation agreement. Uh, it's a brutal mark. It's a brut- brutal model right now. And um, so no wonder they're, they're seduced by the sexiness of next-gen TV. Ah, uh, good point. Good where, point. Where, wow, you can micro-target, and you, you know, Shelly Palmer trashes, and you can get into the data transfer game. Not really. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, they're hoping. Uh, you know, another, they're hoping. Another interesting, two, two other points, to your point. Yes, uh, retrans revenue will decline. They've got a couple more years on a lot of these agreements with increasing fees per subscriber. But when that comes to an end, the cable companies are going to go, really? Really? And that's when I think we're go- they're going to have problems. And one other quick thing. You know, Byron Allen we've talked about, and he gets a lot of media attention within the trades. But, you know, for all of his press in this top 30, he actually is ranked number 22, but he has just 16 stations, and they do $117 million in revenue. Yeah. Total. Yeah. Total. So, yeah, his television group um, – does a third of the revenue that uh, iHeart does in LA. That's right. That's right. This entire group. You know, so it's like, you know, play with it outside. That's why he wants to buy Tegna. He he needs to get scale. Yeah. And that's why Nexstar is is is, you know, consult, you know, doing buying all these stations because and why they're going to probably buy out their partners in uh, in CW network um, because they can get the CWs Retrans fees. That's you know, right. So well, and and they can and they can get the content. But that's another that's another story. Yeah. All right, we're out of time, buddy. But hey, we hope to have Ed Steeman back Thursday for an update on the impact of requiring customers to order their new cars instead of driving off the lot with them, which we're so used to being immediate gratification aficionados. Right, because there's no cars on the lot. That's right. So yeah, that's right. Um, so we'll have yeah, Ed on yeah. Thursday. Yeah, so it's a, it's our it's our beginning of the year check in on the auto business and the auto category, um, and get perspective that your consultants aren't telling you, but you're going to hear from the media insultants the information that you need to survive. All right, Keith. Till Thursday. Have a good week. All right, buddy. See you then. <laughs>